Has everyone had a good week? We've had a great time this morning so far. I just loved it right from the moment. And praying for Ukraine, I felt that there was a real sense of power being released in our praying together. Thank you, Leslie and Peter, for leading us. And just a real connection together in worshiping God and enjoying his presence. So it's great to see every one of you. If you are visiting us today, then we are delighted that you're here. We pray that you go away empowered and blessed by this time that we've shared this morning. Okay, um, I want to share with you something this morning simply entitled The Seed That We Sow. There is a biblical principle which is also an excellent maxim for life. It will define your life and either lead you to blessing or loss, depending on whether you obey this principle. It will direct your life in the best possible way to live, and it promises spiritual prosperity. Jack just read it to us, and I'll reread that section. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man or a woman reaps what he or she sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. The life principle is this. You will always harvest or reap what you plant or what you sow. It's a life principle. And as people who are called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're called to make a difference in our world by giving our lives away or sowing our lives by the way in which we live. Jesus said to his disciples as he was sending them out, he simply said this in Matthew chapter 10, go and proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Why? Because freely you have received, so freely give. And that's the principle of living the Christian life. It's the principle of sowing our lives. Because we freely receive from Jesus, he says to us now, freely give your life away, freely sow your life to make a difference in the world in which we live. Now, I don't need to remind you that we live in a very individualistic age. The message of individualism is literally that life is about me. It's about what I want. It's about the choices that I decide to make. Individualism literally tells us that rights are considered far more important than responsibilities. Let me just remind you of some facts. We have a court of human rights. I don't think it was a court of human responsibilities, but it's not. We have a court of human rights. Abortionists promote the message that a woman has the right to abort a baby if she so wishes. You now have the right to choose your gender. 
And increasingly, people are promoting the right to the end of life. So individualism is literally about, I have the right to live my life in the way that I choose. The supreme problem with individualism is that it ultimately leads to the worship of self. Because it basically says, life is about me. And I'm going to live for me. It ultimately is the worship of self. And Jesus gave a very strong warning in Luke 17. He said, remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you grasp and cling on to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll get life on God's terms. So how do we go about sowing our lives so that we then reap a good harvest? Now, I believe that there is coming a spiritual harvest worldwide in the years to come. I really believe we've gone through a very unprecedented time with the, the worldwide pandemic, which was all about health poverty. We've now got this war with uh, Russia against Ukraine, which we know and are being told is going to lead to a certain amount of food poverty. We're also facing materialistic poverty. We bought any petrol recently. Just shooting up all the time. But we are facing worldwide calamities. But I believe also that God is sovereign and there is going to come a worldwide harvest where countless people are going to turn to God. There is going to be a God consciousness that comes to men and women where they realize that life is no longer about me and what I want. I need to put my faith and trust in someone greater. And I believe that we need to be positioned and prepared for a harvest that is yet to come. So I want to unpack a verse from the Bible this morning. This is it. It's in um, John chapter 12. And Jesus simply says this. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new kernels. It's a great statement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just look at that for a moment. Let's unpack it. Because the first thing that we notice here is what is called the condition of unless. The condition of unless. Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted. The word unless here in our English, it is used by Jesus in the Greek language and it literally is the beginning of a sentence that anticipates a negative response. Let me just explain that a little bit more with a few other verses that Jesus, statements of Jesus. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. You see, we don't all have a guaranteed place in heaven. Jesus said you have to repent. Turn away from your sins and put your faith in me if you want eternal life. Jesus said, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And he also said, unless I go away, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will not come. You will find that word used quite frequently in the scriptures. And Jesus uses it in this verse that we've got before us 
to illustrate a condition, he's basically saying, unless a seed changes, it remains alone. This is about breakout. You know, we all package our lives in different ways, don't we? Just think about that for a moment. We all package our lives in different ways, in the ways in which we want them to be seen. We are concerned about image. Hands up, if this morning, before you came here, you looked in the mirror. How many of you hands up? Hands up those who are liars this morning. <laughs> because we do, we are concerned about image. We go in the bathroom, whether it's to have a wash, to have a shave or whatever. And uh, if you're a lady, well, you need to look in the mirror a lot more than men. <laughs> Not because you're ugly, but you like to beautify yourselves. We just kind of turn up as it is, guys. But all of us look in the mirror because we are concerned about our image. We want to present ourselves in a way that will be acceptable. We want to make sure that our mascara is on nicely. That's ladies, not guys. We want to make sure that our hair is nicely tidied. And uh, if you've got a beard, well, you want to make sure that it's reasonably well good. We are concerned about image. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but the problem with image is that it's only skin deep. And I want to say that as Christians, maintaining an image, not about keeping your face clean, but trying to maintain an image in the way that you want yourself to be, might stop you from being what God intends you should be. You see, John Maxwell said this, God's gift to me is my potential. My gift to go back to God is what I do with my potential. Too many Christians live packaged lives. I've got a pack of the seeds here. As long as these seeds stay in this packet, they will never realize their potential. And it's very easy for us to live packaged lives, packaging our lives up in the way that we would like them to be and failing to be what God wants us to be and to live out the potential that God has placed within us. Jesus said, unless the potential of the seed I have placed within you is unpacked, it will remain alone. Now, do you remember in the Bible there was a time when there was a family, Mary, Martha and Lazarus, Jesus used to love to visit this family. And on one occasion, Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus that says, Lazarus, our brother whom you love, he's very sick. Will you come and lay your hands on him and heal him? And Jesus said he would come. Jesus waited four days. And eventually he turns up, and when he arrives, Mary and Martha are basically saying, it's too late, he's dead. If you'd have come when we'd have called, he would have been okay, but he's died. The, the illness is so serious, that's why we called you. And so Jesus says to Mary and Martha, well, I am the resurrection and the life. I said, oh, yes, we know all about that. We know that one day there's going to be a great resurrection. He said, no, I'm the resurrection and the life now. 
Take this, take me to where you buried him. So that they go to where the tomb is. And there, Lazarus is in this tomb. There's a big stone sealing it, which is what they did in those times in the East. And Jesus then said, take the stone away. And they said, no, he will stink. He's been dead four days and that heat. He will stink. Jesus said, take it away. Did I not tell you? Trust and believe in me. And so they take the stone away. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. It's a good job he only said Lazarus, because if he just said come out, they'd all come out of their graves. <laughs> he was specific, Lazarus, come out. And this guy, he comes out of his grave, hopping, because they used to wrap him up. And the last thing that Jesus said was, unwrap him and let him go. How do we live unwrapped lives? How do we get out of the packaging that we like to put around our lives so that we can make a difference in our world? Let me just suggest a few things. Very obvious. The first thing is about being available. You see, a seed is always available. It's always ready to be planted. It's available. You never open a pack of the seeds and it says, well, sorry, I'm not feeling like being planted today. Leave me for another month. They're always available. They're ready to be placed in the right place. And that's why it's called a seed. Because it's available for sowing. It's available for its potential to be released. A seed is available because when it's placed in the right conditions, something will happen. That's why it's called a seed. How available are you to God? How available are you for God to be able to sow your life into the lives of other people so that they might know his love and come to know him? But a seed is not only available, but it also has to be vulnerable. It's vulnerable to its surroundings. The seed is vulnerable to where it's planted. Jesus told a story about the sower. And this guy went out throwing the seed everywhere. And he said, some of the seed, it landed on the path where people trod on it. Do you get trodden on? Are you that vulnerable in your life? Or the birds came down and impacted and ate it. Some of it landed in the rocks, but some landed in good soil and it brought forth 30, 50, 60, 100 fold. That's the vulnerability of being a seed. And Jesus calls us to be people who are vulnerable in this world, vulnerable in the sense that people can come to us to discover the love and kindness that Jesus wants to show to them. But also, a third way we need to be unwrapped is by being spirit-filled. The scripture says this, and I love it, All glory be to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Do you know there is mighty power in a seed? It is. One acorn can grow a massive oak tree that will live for 500 years. And the Holy Spirit puts God's power in you. 
It says in the Old Testament, it's not in your strength, it's not in your ability, but it's by God's Spirit that impossible things can be made possible. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to be sown into our world and make an incredible difference. And the Bible reminds us in the book of Acts about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the disciples that Jesus had was a disciple who had two left feet. You know what it is to have two left feet? You know, people are always making mistakes. His name was Peter. Peter was very keen. One day he stepped out of a boat and tried to walk on water and he started to sink. You know, another day when Jesus was being arrested, he took out a sword and he chopped the ear off of the high priest's servant. Peter was one of those people who was a bit embarrassing to be around. He was always putting his foot in it. Another time, just before Jesus was to be crucified, Peter was like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to be put to death. Nothing like that happened. And Jesus actually says to him, get behind me, Satan. And time and time again, Peter's enthusiasm ended up making him put his foot in it and making big, embarrassing mistakes. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he becomes totally transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that began to work in him and through him. You read the Acts of the Apostles, he never put his foot in it again. He actually put his foot right every single time because of the work of the Holy Spirit that did in him and through him. This is a great verse. All glory to God, who through his mighty power at work within us is able to accomplish more than we might ask and think. That word power, Jesus uses in Acts 1 verse 8, where Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. That word power, the same Greek word, is the root for the word potential. You can live out your potential through the power of God's Holy Spirit at work within you. So the condition is the first thing, unless the seed. But the second part is that we're called to be selfish, selfless, because unless the seed dies. There was a couple of people in America who were both very heavily involved in business, this husband and wife, who lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they decided that they needed to get down to Florida because it was winter time. They needed to get down to Florida for a few days and just get some sunshine and just sort of unwind a bit. But they couldn't coordinate their diaries. So the husband said, look, I'll go first. I'll check into the hotel and then you can come the day after. So the husband arrives in Florida, lovely sunshine, it's absolutely beautiful. He sits down in the evening, writes an email to his wife. The problem was he wrote her email address and he got one letter wrong in the email address. In another part of the country, there was a widow who had just returned from the funeral of her husband. He was a wonderful pastor. Everybody loved him, a really godly man. But he'd been gone to heaven. And so she came home after the funeral, decided to check her emails because she was expecting to hear from some of the family relatives that had been there for the funeral. And upon reading the first email, she lets out this loud scream, this wail, and she faints and falls to the floor. Her son rushes in to see his mother on the floor, wonders what's happened looks up to the computer screen and he sees this message. To my loving wife, I've just been checked in 
Everything has been prepared for your arrival here tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. Your devoted husband. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> We are called to be selfless, which literally means we are called to die. Unless the seed dies. When these are planted in the ground, there is a dying process that takes place so that life can be born. I don't know how it happens. It happens in secret in the earth, but it's the miracle of creation. Jesus said, unless the seed dies, it will remain alone. It will be without potential. It will be useless. We have a massive identity crisis today in our culture. Social media is often about putting personal information out there that reveals your status, that can give you credibility by receiving lots of likes, getting lots of followers or hits. If Jonah had been alive today, this is what he would have done. This is what the selfie. Some of you aren't catching on. This is the world we live in. Oh yeah, do a selfie with this person, or do a selfie, and then I send it to all my friends just to tell them who I've been with and where I am. I remember a few years ago, Dad and I were on our way back from France with some friends, and we arrived at the um, Euro Tunnel. You know, where you drive your car on, and we were in this waiting area. And suddenly, all these young girls got very excited and they went up to this guy who had loads of hair, and uh, they started taking photographs of him. But who's this guy? Suddenly, realised he was a chap from was it Diversity who used to wear the glasses and the little boy who did all these amazing gymnastic flips and they put him up in the air and he was about six feet something tall. But they knew it, they recognised it. Selfies, look at who we are. None of you ever come and get a selfie with me. I don't know why. But this is the culture that we live in, isn't it? It really is. And Jesus said this, Self-sacrifice, giving up your life to my glory, you will embark on a discovery more and more about true life. But if you choose to keep your life to yourself, you will lose what you try to keep. As Christians, we are called to die to ourselves. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to pick up a cross. Now, in the days when Jesus walked on this earth, anybody carrying a cross, you knew exactly where that person was going. They were going to crucify. And sadly, crucifixion was a bit of a spectator sport. People would go and watch. Eventually, thankfully, the Romans outlawed. Unless a seed dies, it remains alone. It's useless. And you know, dying to ourselves is the only way we can live for the glory of God. When Jesus went to the cross, he said this, Father, it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. The Apostle Paul, he said, I face death every day. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die, because for me means living for Christ. My life is all about him. And the famous German pastor who lived 
during the Second World War and stood against Hitler. He said this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him or her to come and die. You see, being a Christian is not about living for myself, it's about living for Jesus. It's about dying to everything that I might want so that I live for him. And the amazing thing is that when we live for him, he says, I'll provide all that you need anyway. So you don't lose out. Yes, a seed falls to the ground and dies. So finally, we've got the certainty of fruitfulness in this verse of scripture. If it dies, its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. There's a promise of fruitfulness. In 1922, were any of you alive? No. But in 1922, a man by the name of Howard Carter, he opened a tomb in the Valley of the Kings in Egypt. It was the tomb of Tutankhamun. I've been to the museum in uh, Cairo, Egypt, where Tutankhamun's remains are. Not a lot to see. But he opened this tomb, and in the tomb, not only finding lots of treasures, but found some beams that have been in the tomb for 3,000 years. The scientists took the beams and they planted them. And this is what happened. The lesson is simply this, you are never too old to be fruitful. Even if you feel 3,000 years old to be a spot and a life is really tough, you can still be That's the potential of the Holy Spirit living. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I spoke about the, the grace of giving. And as a church, I, and I know Sanjay does, wants us to abound in generosity, in giving our lives away in every possible way, sowing them for Jesus in every possible way that we can. Because as we live like that, it's a reflection on the nature and heart of God. The Bible says of God, he forgives some of our sins. No, he forgives all of our sins. God is generous. The Bible says his mercy never ends. He never says, well, I've shown you enough mercy, that's it, you've had your lot. No, he's a generous God. His mercy never ends. He loves us continually and unconditionally. And the Bible says nothing can ever separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. That's generosity. And we are to reflect the generosity of God in the way that we sow our lives as we live for him day by day. And this is what Jesus said. He said, give to others and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure of generous helping poured into your hands, all that you can hold. Why? Because the measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. In the Old Testament, giving was a debt that you owed. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they had to 
constantly be bringing offerings and sacrifices to God because they were in debt as a result of their sinfulness. It was about appeasement and reparation for their sins. There were guilt offerings, there were trespass offerings, there were peace offerings, there were sin offerings. There were loads of different offerings that they had to give depending on the wrongs that they had committed. And they needed to fulfill the standard of the law because whenever they sinned, they had to pay a price. The Bible says in Romans 6, Romans 3, 23, we have all sinned, we have all fallen short of the standard that God has set. But no longer do we have to pay our way into God's mercy because Jesus has paid for every single wrong that you and I have committed in the past, in the present, and we will commit in the future. That's what he did for us on the cross. So we no longer have to bring offerings. We no longer have to pay for any wrongs that we have done because the Bible says there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because the power of his life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin and death. Isn't that good news? It is. We have freedom in Jesus. And because we are freely received, he says, freely give. Sow your life so that others can be blessed. Giving, then, is a seed that we sow. It's no longer a debt that we owe. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the grace of giving. Remember Jay John's little video about the donuts? Got 10 donuts. You give one donut every Sunday. Are you giving your donut to go each week? Are you tithing? Don't work quiet. I want to say this this morning because Sunday's not here. We don't pay Sunday a little like he deserves or should receive. When it's a common job, finances were moving to church, so we said, look, we're paying this out. But for his experience, for his wisdom, for all kinds, he deserves far more than what he is receiving. And as a church, we need to correct that. But the pastor, the ministry, should be supported by the tithes. We let this building out on occasions. I was very frustrated a couple of weeks ago. We came to pray in the cottage. We couldn't get in the car park. Jam-packed. Because there was about 60 teachers here learning about maths or something. You thought they knew how to do maths, but they do all this training. It's great for us because it brings good income. But that income, we should not rely on hiring this building out to pay for the pastor. Because the biblical principle was they brought their tithes to support those who served in the ministry, which were the Levites. And if you are not tithing this morning, I want to encourage you to give a tenth of your income and know that God will never fail you. J. John said that. On that, if you've not seen J. John, look up J. John Donuts. It's a great, funny thing, but it's a powerful one because it says we are to give 
one tenth to God every week or every month of what we receive by the church. It works. It does. Janice and I have done it all our lives. And the Bible says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse so that my house will be full and there will be more than enough to provide for everybody who needs it and we can give away lots more besides. If 10 people in the church all tithed, then the pastor will be able to see the average of what they receive. It's wonderful maths. God was very good at maths. Invented in the first place. But I want to encourage you this morning. We want to honor and bless Sanjo. Be generous. Why? Because God has been generous to you. If you've got a good job, if you're in a secure place, that's God's kindness and blessing to you. So give back. Don't hold back. You will never outgive God. And some of you might be able to give two or three donuts out of your ten because you are just so blessed and you've got far more than what you need. And the money we receive for hiring this building out, I would love us just to plow it into missions and work that's going on around. Jack wants to go to Kenya. It'd be great to support this young man. Send him from us as a church and to support him in the work that he's going to be doing for God and other people that are serving God. If we're a church that's constantly giving, and God will never allow us to go out of business. This is what Jesus said finally. Those who remain in me and I remain in them will produce much fruit.